Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. So how many of you have ever seen that on your computer? Yeah, the blue screen, right, of death. Uh, <laughs> so uh, my dad, I, over the years, a number of years back, he didn't have a computer for quite some time now, the last several years. But uh, I would talk to him and say something about an email or something on Facebook or whatever. And he'd say, yeah, well, my computer's not working. My computer's not working right. And then you could dig down with him, and sometimes he, when he lived up here, I could get with him, and it was, and we'd talk. But what my dad had a habit of doing was changing the settings. He would change the settings until finally the computer just really wouldn't work anymore. For some reason, he, you know, compelled to change the settings. And um, so sometimes you reach the place where all you can do is, is wipe it all out, and restore it all with all the default settings. Or in my dad's case, sometimes he'd say, I need a new computer, <laughs> okay? Uh, and so it doesn't work. Well, it doesn't work because he changed all the settings. And, and, and the default settings are there for a reason, right? Now, sometimes I hear people say, well, the Christian life doesn't work. I tried it, and the Christian life doesn't work. Or what you're telling me, maybe they are a Christian. Say, just, it isn't working. Well, I kind of wonder if maybe there are some default settings for Christianity, and if you mess with those settings and change those settings, but the, the, you know what I mean by default settings, right? It's, it's what we start from, how everything always goes from and works from. It's like in the system of the computer. Well, in Christianity, I think the same thing is true. If we're gonna say it doesn't work, and here's the deal, if we change the settings, Christianity will not work, okay? And so that is what we discover. Um, you know, when we think of Christianity, and we start thinking, what, what does a godly Christian look like, right? Someone who's really, really committed to Christ. And, you know, we probably can envision what that looks like to us. Maybe somebody comes to mind. But we have this idea of this really, really committed Christian. And we tend to see these really committed Christians as sort of the exception, Right? They, they really got it. They really got it together. They're really, and we see them as being up, not above, uh, but it's just special. It's not normal in our minds when we see somebody like that. Well, let me talk to you about, I think, what's going on here. Um, when you are setting up your computer or when you're opening new applications or, or you've signed up for something, you have decisions to make and, and you can opt into things or opt out of things. You know what I mean? Where you have to click yes, do this, yes, I want that, or no this, no that, okay? So we understand what opt in means and what opt out means. Well, what uh, people who work with this kind of thing have discovered is if you set a, a something up to where people have to opt in, for things, not very many of them do. That makes sense, right? Because you, yes, you, you have to respond. But if you make it the default setting that you're already opted in, unless you opt out, guess what they find out? Most people never opt out and they, they go with the default settings, okay? Well, 
I, when you think about our Christian life and we think about, you know, normal, average Christians, whatever, and then we think about a really, really committed Christian, I think that we tend to view what's happened here is that for this person to be this really committed Christian, they have opted into that. So, I mean, they've, they've opted into things that make them committed. But what if that's not right? What if the reality is, is that the default settings are committed, godly, faithful Christian? And if we aren't that, it's because we have opted out of things. Many years ago when I was a young Christian, and during, while I was going to college, I, I came across a book called The Normal Christian Life by a Chinese Christian, Chinese preacher named Watchman Nee. Learned so many things in that book that were very, very helpful to me in understanding the Christian life and how it works and what God has actually done for us in Christ and really some things that you still hear from me from time to time. But the, the title is instructive here. He talks about the normal Christian life. And he contrasts that with what we would call the average Christian life. Okay, but what he's saying, his point is, it's not that this, this, when we find this Christian who has really yielded to Christ, sold out for the Lord, that's what their lives are about, and that's, you know, they are serving him faithfully, and, you know, good times, bad times, they are there, and they are, they're making a difference with their lives for the Lord. We tend to see that as above. But watch me, from the scriptures, show me, no, no, that's normal for a Christian. That's the way a Christian is supposed to be. And what we see a lot of times is what is the average Christian life is way below what should be normal. Now, does it, are you tracking with me on this idea? Okay. All right. So when we look at our Christian lives and and where we're at, you know, like my dad with this computer, you know, things, you know, he opt out or change settings. And, and sometimes the only way to get back to that was to restore the default settings. Well, is it possible that in our Christianity, maybe we need to go back and restore the default settings? So that we become this normal Christian, the way God says normal should be. All right, so let's take a look at this today. Your Christianity, should we restore the default settings? Let's turn in our Bibles to Paul's letter to the Philippians. If you need a, a Bible, uh, you don't have one with you there, the one under the chair there is going to start on page 1348. We're going to look today at four default settings for Christianity so that we might be normal Christians. <laughs> Normal Christians meaning, you know, totally sold out for the Lord, living our lives for Him. Um, and let me say that these are not necessarily, uh, this is coming all out of Philippians chapter 1. You know, we might be able to go to other places in the Scriptures and arrive at some other things too, okay? But these are, this, this gives us a pretty good oversight of the kind of default settings in our life that need to be there for us to be the kind of Christians the Lord intends for us to be. So Philippians chapter one, Paul is writing this letter from jail. He's in jail for having preached the gospel. 
And so let's, let's read the first two verses here. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to say, uh, let's just start right here. This default number one is that I belong to the Lord. My life is about him, okay? I think that a, a lot of us might be quick to say, well, yes, I belong to the Lord. But is that what your life is really about? Right, is that what, if someone were to ask you, what's your life about? Well, you know, I have my career, I have my hobbies, I have my family, I have all these things, but wait a minute, no, what's my life about? Wait, no, my life is about the Lord and my relationship with him. And in, as in with my life and relationship with him, then I have a family and then I have a career and I have these hobbies, and, right? But my life is not about any of those things. My life is about the Lord and my relationship with him. And so we see this right there in verse one. Paul and Timothy, what's the next word? Bondservants. In essence, this is the, we could use the word slaves. Okay, that's kind of a pretty charged word right now in our culture. And slavery in the Roman Empire was not the same as slavery uh, it was in, our, in America, which is, let me say, in case anybody's wondering, slavery was always wrong. Even when it shows up in the Bible that they had slaves, that was never God's intent, okay? One man should not own another one, okay? So that is unacceptable. But this idea of being bond servants, this is a willing servant. I, I have, we have willingly bound ourselves to the Lord to be his servant. See, I belong to the Lord. My life is about him. He is the Lord of how much of my life? All of my life. Every area of my life. Not just my go to church life, right? Not just how I interact with my Christian friend's life, but all of my life. Default number one, I belong to the Lord. My life is about him. Let's, let's jump down to verse number six. He says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. First of all, isn't that awesome news? I am so grateful for that. More than once in my life, I found myself where I'm saying, I'm never going to make it here. I don't mean stay alive. I'm, I'm never going to make it as a Christian, the way I feel. And then the Holy Spirit will say, Philippians 1, 6. Or be confident. God's the one who started this work in you. And he is going to be faithful. He is going to complete it. And what kind of work is it? I, what, what's it say? I want to keep you guys connecting. What kind of work is it that he's begun? A good work. That's right. A good work. And so, but under this idea of I belong to the Lord, my life is about him, this whole idea of, you know, God is at work in my life, but it's a good work that God is doing. But I think we as Christians, you know, we, we grab onto uh, Romans 8.28, right? For we know that, that God works, what? All things together for good. So for his good purpose. This is what I want you to see. Good purposes means God's purposes. Okay, it talks about good purposes, it's God's purpose. The good work is God's work. Because we have a tendency to think, and this is where we change the default setting, that good is what's comfortable for me. You see? Good is what makes me happy. Good is what I would consider a blessing. 
All of those kinds of things. And, and that's not what the Bible tells us at all. You know, once we settle that we belong to God, the default setting is that, you know, I belong to him, my life is about him. And so he's working in my life, and what is he doing? He's doing his good purposes, his plans, his ways, the things he's trying to accomplish. And by the way, those are good. But if we flip those switches and change those settings and start thinking that this good is about something else, you know, we're gonna, it's, the Christian life isn't going to work for us, okay? All right, so let's, let's uh, go down, read uh, verses 9 through 11 here. He says, And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Okay, so Paul prays for them. God is doing this great work in your life and he doesn't pray, I pray that you will be comfortable. I don't pray that your life will be easy. I'm not praying that you're gonna have lots of stuff. I'm not praying any of that kind of thing. What does he, what does he want for them? Well, what he wants for them, let's look at it again. I pray that your love may abound still more and more. Okay, that's the commandment. Love God, love your neighbor, love like Christ, right? And so he says, I'm praying that, that your love will abound more and more. You will more and more live out what God has told you to do and that you would have knowledge and all discernment. Why? Why do I need knowledge and discernment? That you may approve the things that are excellent. You know, there's a lots of things we can do in our lives as Christians and make choices that are not excellent choices. You know, those, I, I can say I, I wrestle with those often and some, maybe far too often I don't wrestle. What's really excellent here? What is the best choice for whose purposes? For God's purposes. What's the best choice here for what God wants to do in my life? Okay, and so he says, knowledge that you may prove the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Sincere, this, this purity, whole uh, integrity from the inside out, uh, you know, living for Christ, and with the end result, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, okay, that brings praise and glory to God. So, this idea that our decision making becomes what's best for the Lord's purposes. See, that's what all this is about, right? Love and knowledge and, and discernment and the excellent choices so that I can produce fruit for the Lord. Now, let's don't forget, we're talking about this should be default setting, right? This is where we start. And so if we aren't there, it's because we've made other choices. We've opted out of God's intent for us. So default number one here, I belong to the Lord, my life is about him, I am a servant of his, it's his, uh, it's his good purposes that I want, and, and that's what I'm making my decisions on that basis, all right? Okay, so the second default we see here, default setting in this chapter is this, that my overarching goal is to magnify the Lord. Overarching, in other words, I have, we have lots of goals in life, well, sometimes, but if we have goals in life, things we want to see, things we want to do and experience, but overarching all of that needs to be this truth that I want to magnify the Lord. And magnify means what? To make bigger, to cause to be seen and known and, and shown in our lives. Let's read, start in verse 12. 
Now remember, the Apostle Paul is sitting in jail for having preached the gospel. He says, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Okay? So, is being in jail sound like a good thing? Being in jail because you did what was right? That's no good. And by the way, our jails today, is, is, it's a, you don't want to be in jail. But I tell you what, our jails today are luxury compared to the jails of the Apostle Paul's day. And so what is Paul saying? I'm in jail and it's, is it a bad thing? He doesn't seem to talk like it's a bad thing, does he? He's seeing it differently. Why? Because his goal is to magnify the Lord and what has happened because he's been in jail. All the people here in the palace, they've learned about why I'm here. They've heard the message. And the preachers on the outside are bolder because they've seen my example. All that kind of stuff. So this, my overarching goal is to magnify the Lord. And so when that's the case, then problems become opportunities to know and show Jesus. In other words, we as Christians, when we find ourselves in problems, and sometimes problems can be really hard, right? I know that. But if the default setting is to say, okay, how can I magnify the Lord in this? That's the default setting. How can I let the Lord be seen and known in these problems I am facing? But we flip that switch off and it starts to be, this is about me. And this is too hard. And this isn't fair. And why would God? And where is God? And you see what I'm saying? It's a whole different approach to life. And we, it's, if you flip that switch off that setting, you can find yourself right there. All right, let's read verse 15. He says, some indeed, so it's just okay, out there they're bolder to preach, and he says, some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. Well, certainly there he's seeing problems as opportunities, right? But what we also see here is that when you say, my goal is to magnify the Lord, is that you are not deterred or discouraged by the bad choices of others. Anybody in here like to be falsely accused? I don't like to be accused when it's true. <laughs> I really don't like it when I'm accused falsely. It's just not fair, is it? It's not right. I did what was right. I did what was right for the right reasons, and I'm being accused and criticized for it. Hmm. Now, those of you who are listening couldn't see my bottom lip stuck out. Hmm. That isn't where the Apostle Paul's living. His goal is to magnify the Lord. And he says, yeah, they, aren't all, they don't all have the right motives. Some of them are wanting to make me my miserable or to me or whatever. But you know what? They're preaching Jesus. And that's good news. Because what's my life about? I want him to be magnified. 
And by the way, I just, let me just say, I think this is, a, this is a hard one. I know it has been for me over the years. And for me, when you have someone who's close to you, who chooses not to live for Christ, that's discouraging, isn't it? It's hard and it's heavy, especially if it becomes actively in opposition to you. But if your life is about magnifying the Lord, this is another opportunity to show Jesus and maybe to that very person who most needs to know it. And don't, do not let how they respond determine whether or not you believe God is working. God's working. If we will let him be magnified in our lives, he will always be magnified in our lives. Okay, let's continue. Verse 19. It is for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Okay, I think I'm going to be delivered here. I know I will be, he says. But according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body. And then he says this, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so this idea of my over, overarching goal is to magnify the Lord fleshes itself out like this, that I, I live without regard for my life. It doesn't matter whether I live or die. Now, aren't we all kind of, I mean, as, as we're human beings, don't we all try to stay alive until we die? We do, okay. And so he's not talking about, you know, trying to end his life. What he's talking about, though, is that if I lose my life magnifying Christ, so be it. If I don't lose my life, I get to keep living for Christ. He magnify him. So be it. It doesn't matter. And by the way, that is such a different mindset from those who don't know the Lord. And, and that's not the only factor I know. But you look around, you know, I, I, I read, I watch, I listen to people talk. And I am, in, it's, it's amazing to me how fearful so many people are of getting the virus. I, I, I don't want the virus. If you got it, don't give it to me, okay? I want it. I don't want to deal with it. I don't, you know, I, I'm, but the point is, is I'm not afraid. You know, because my, I'm trying to live this way, right? I want to magnify the Lord. And if, so if the Lord lets me live without it, I'm going to try to magnify. If I get it, somehow or other, I want to magnify him through it. If I die, it's gain. We need to remember that and grasp that. Do we really believe that heaven's better than here? Right? Why, you know, sometimes maybe that should shape our thinking about how we look at the rest of our lives sometimes. All right, so my overarching goal is to magnify the Lord here. And Paul says he's living without regard for life. My goal is not to stay alive. That's not the goal. My goal is to powerfully live for Jesus while I am alive. That's the goal that he would be seen and known in my life while I'm alive. So default number one was I belong to the Lord. My life is about him. Default number two, my overarching goal is to magnify the Lord. By the way, are you seeing any places in your life where maybe you need to restore the defaults in your Christian life? Default number three, I willingly do whatever it takes to follow Christ. I willingly do 
whatever it takes to follow Christ. And before I look at these scriptures, let me say to you that there are times and places where I find myself coming again to the place of saying, okay, um, a, a, something, a commitment that the Lord brought me to many, many years ago when I was still in college, before I was married. I remember, I've told you a story. Early one morning, I was up and I was reading the Bible, talking to God, looking out over creation outside as I often do. And it just became very clear to me. And I said to the Lord, okay, Lord, I, my life is yours. I will do whatever, whenever, wherever, however, with whoever, right? Okay. It's probably good he didn't show me everything that meant at that moment. <laughs> and I find myself coming to these points again sometimes in my life. Are you still there, Walt, right? You know, the old, can you hear me now? The Lord says, is that still true now? Are you there? And I find myself sometimes praying, okay, yes, Lord, listen, whatever it takes for me to be able, I said, wow, that's, whoa. Do I really want to say that? And really, I do want to say it. And I do say it. But that saying, whatever it takes, that's, that's a big deal, isn't it? Because it could mean cancer for me. It could mean who knows what, right? I've seen enough stuff that is like to say whatever it takes, but I really do mean that and I really do believe it. And I have to keep coming back to that. I got to keep making that sure that setting has not been changed. Okay? All right. So let's look here. Verse 21. Paul says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. And he says, if I had to choose, I don't know which I would choose. For I'm hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Okay, so that, that should soak into our soul and affect how we look at everything. If, if I depart, I go to be with Christ, and it's far better. It's far better. That, so, you know, that's one of the reasons I can be comfortable about my dad's passing this morning, right? His, he has departed, and it is far better. Okay? All right, so he says, Desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. I, I can do stuff in your life and help you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. So it says, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be staying. I'm not going. And so when, when I have this default setting, I willingly do whatever it takes to follow Christ, that means I, I give up my preferences. And you think about the level of these preferences. Well, okay, I give up my preference of, you know what I do for work, or I give up my preference for when I get up in the morning, or I give up my preference for whether I'm going to have a, I'm going to drink, you know, have wine or not. I, I give up my preference for how much money I spend. Yeah, I mean, I give up my preference. And, and so, well, yeah, that's, we need to think about it in our life, but Paul's kind of got a bigger thing going on, doesn't he? I've given up my preference where I live or die. I no longer have a preference here. I want to do what the Lord wants me to do. And he says, I think it's going to be to stay with you and help you. But think about this. What did he just say before that? To depart, go with the Lord is how, how much better? 
far better. But I, I, I think the Lord's going to stay here. I've given up my preferences. And if you've given up your preference, whether you're going to live or die, it kind of covers all the rest. I willingly give up even my strongest preferences to accomplish God's purposes. Verse 27. He says, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together, working hard together for the faith of the gospel. And this is the idea of the people of God, the body of Christ. And so when I say I willingly do whatever it takes to follow Christ, part of that is connecting and serving with other followers of Jesus. This is not a casual thing. And I, by the way, I commend you guys for being here, right? I, I, you know, I get it, the virus, it's a holiday week, and I, I commend you for being here. But let's always remember that it isn't just about being here, being this church that the Lord intends for us to be, you know, because so, we want to follow Christ's faith and accomplish his purpose. He says, okay, you've got to do that with other Christians. That's God who said that, not me. You know, and, and I am so grateful that we are able to, to live stream this and it's available recorded online and in the podcast. Those of you are listening, I'm, I'm so grateful for everybody who takes advantage of that. But please understand that God's intent is bigger than that for you. God's intent is that you on purpose connect with other Christians and we say together, how can we serve him? How can we accomplish this, this great commission that he's given us? We gotta come together and do that. And that means sometimes I need you to help me. I need you guys, you know, when you're saying, how's your dad, when you ask that, when you say, or you let me know you're praying for me. Sometimes something related to the church. We do that for each other and I try to do it for you. I, you know, I, I hear what's going on in your life. I try to reach out and encourage it. We need to do that for each other, see? We need that commitment to the body of Christ. And, and it's that level of commitment. If I'm going to do this, this default, I willingly do whatever it takes to follow Christ. I have to make that commitment to the body of Christ, the people of Christ. Verse 28. He says, and, this, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. So what? 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 He says, not in any way terrified by your adversaries. Okay, so Paul was dealing with real adversaries, adversaries who wanted him killed, adversaries who wanted him in jail, adversaries like that. And he's saying, we don't, shouldn't be terrified of people like that. We aren't afraid of them. Not afraid. Man, that has to be a work of God in your life, doesn't it? So, not afraid. And he says to them, this is a proof that you have lost your mind. <laughs> but it also brings condemnation, a sense of condemnation on them. When you're not afraid of what the enemy is gonna to try to do to you, it shows that you're saved and he's in trouble. That makes sense? This is why you hear about people who have been in prison in other parts of the world for their Christianity, that the guards just cannot stand and often will continue to beat them because they are not afraid because they are at peace. They can't live with it. You need to be fearful of me. And, and finally, sometimes those are the same guards who finally break and come to Christ because of what they've seen. Whole other story. But being unafraid of opposition, I will not be afraid. And that's a choice we have to make because it's easy to be afraid, to get afraid. Verse 29. 
For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. All right, I got saved for, you know, I believe in Jesus and I want everything that goes along with that. What does Paul say here goes along with this at some point? Suffering. Elsewhere he says, if you live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer. It's coming your way. And because we have lived in a nation that has tremendous freedom for people and their beliefs, we haven't experienced a lot of that. But nonetheless, we need to settle it. Are you willing to suffer? Are you willing to suffer? Are you willing to lose your job because you're a follower of Christ? Are you willing to have your family walk away from you because you're a follower of Christ? Are you willing to be in legal trouble because you're a follower of Christ? You see, the default setting is that I willingly do whatever it takes to follow Christ. And if that means I suffer, I suffer. But I'm not praying and asking God to give me suffering. <laughs> but I need to be willing, ready and willing. Okay, so do you see how these are default settings? That is, if, if these are the default settings, then every Christian ought to be this world-class, committed Christian living for Christ. Not perfect people, right? But it's the real deal. In other words, rather than looking around and seeing, you know, a person here, a person there, wow, that person's really committed and that person's really committed, we look around and say, wow, everybody's committed because we're living by the default settings of Christianity. One more default setting, and let's go back to verse 20 to see it. He said again, according to my earnest expectation, hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, and here are five words, as always, so now also. As always, this is my pattern of life, and now in this new situation, so now also. Default number four, I follow Christ in every new circumstance. In other words, I don't know what's coming this afternoon. Do you? I don't know what's coming tomorrow. Or however many more years I have, I don't know what's coming. Uh, but I should already have it settled, as always. So now also. Whatever happens. Whatever happens. So do you need to restore the default settings of your Christianity? Um, you know, living, changing those settings and living is, is so much less of a life. <laughs> Don't you want to live a life that when all is said and done, man, my life mattered, right? It made a difference. And, and yeah, there was hardship, difficult, but, but how good is this? So let me encourage you. Let me challenge you. Take some time with the Lord and evaluate. And say, Lord, where are the places I have turned off? I've opted out of these settings because it's not about becoming a special, really different Christian. It's about becoming a normal Christian because that's what these default settings are about. And if you never receive Christ as Savior, you can't do it. You gotta start there 
And let me encourage you, if you're here or you're watching or you're listening later, if you aren't sure about what we mean by that, please reach out. We'll, we'll help you with that. So that you can become a normal Christian with these default settings. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you, Lord, for the challenge and the commitment and the example of Paul and the disciples and Jesus and so many, Lord, who were just on the face of it to us, Lord. They look like they're just these super Christians. And yet you show us in your word that they aren't. They're just normal Christians. And that's what your, your call on our lives is. Oh. I pray, Lord, that you stir our hearts about it and that we would continue day in and day out to take a look at these kinds of things and make sure if we need to, we restore the default settings of how we look at life, how we live our lives. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, God bless you. I'd love to talk to you about any of these things, how it might affect your life. And if we can help in any way, please let us know. Have a great rest of the weekend.